the thing with Gary V was that it was, I got on the Zoom with him at like 3.03 and he tells me, listen, we have a hard stop at 3.30 and I'm trying my best to get these questions that I really want to ask him. But he's also telling me that we have to stop at this set time. And then he tells me, no, we could actually keep going for a few, you know, so it's really just trying your best in every moment. I think that's that's the takeaway from that episode. Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Kyle and I share the best ideas and business advice from our favorite entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and content creators and apply those lessons to our own lives. Today is less of an interview and more of a conversation with our friend, Danny Miranda. Danny is the host of the Danny Miranda podcast where he publishes, I think, three episodes a week. And um, over the course of 2020, he's published around 50 episodes. So we hit 50 episodes right around the same time. And we figured we would bring him on um, to share the lessons that we learned from publishing podcasts in 2020. So we each share three of our um, biggest takeaways from this year. Bear in mind, we get a little out there. There's a lot of, it's a pretty high energy conversation. So just, just keep that in mind as you're listening. But it was really fun to, to have a conversation with, with Danny and, and we're grateful to him and grateful to you for listening. Yeah, so with that, I'm just gonna cut to the audio. Danny, thank you so much for joining us for our lessons learned from the three of us all recently celebrating the 50 podcast episode milestone. I'm excited to have you join us because you hit this milestone at pretty much the same time as us chronologically. And I figured, you know, Kyle and I could do another one, him and I shooting back and forth, or we could bring in a third person with a third perspective and uh, learn a lot more and have a lot more interesting discussion and banter and things like that. So thanks for being a part of this project. I'm grateful that you guys reached out. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you guys and and looking forward to hearing what you have learned from your 50 episodes. Absolutely. Well, for everyone listening, the format I kind of have in mind for this is the three of us each wrote 10 takeaways. I asked us then to throw out seven of them. So we only shared the best three on this conversation. We'll kind of round robin going back and forth, doing some intermediate discussion on ideas as they pop up. But before we dive right in, uh, those of you who aren't familiar with Danny, I'm going to let him kind of introduce himself, starting with kind of maybe his last year of college and graduation, uh, walking the three, four, five years to where he's at now and kind of the reason that we met and he's participating in this project with us. Yeah. So I started just building on myself after college and was doing a bunch of different things. I went from e-commerce. I went to writing and and just all over the map, just trying new things, learning just about myself and going deeper on myself. It so happens that one of the things that I'm most proud of since graduating college is starting my podcast. And that just started three months ago, but it seems like, you know, it's crazy how time flies so quickly because I just remember where I was three months ago, just starting up, thinking about starting it. And today, more than 20,000 downloads, 10,000 in the month of December alone. Gary Vaynerchuk comes on the podcast because of a crazy Twitter event, which you can check out at my podcast if you want to hear that whole story. And yeah, I'm just super grateful to have started a podcast because it is the best way that I've connected with smart people and learned. I've learned so much from this thing. So I'm grateful to be on yours. I've learned so much from yours as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this conversation has in store for us. And, you know, just for the future, like today is December 30th, 2020. It is uh, the second to last day of 2020. Um, The three of us have all started a podcast in this year. It's been crazy. We've learned, I think collectively learned a lot from our guests, but also just like 
the macro factors like affecting the world at the same time. It's been a really insane year, but in the midst of it, we've gotten a lot done. And, you know, to highlight Danny, just like it's been three months, but it has been a meteoric three months for Danny. And I think in the future, people will listen to this and, you know, they'll know you and, and know where you're at then. And it's, it's just crazy to, to watch. I feel like we're in a, in the moment, you know, like we're, we're watching this like rocket take off for you. And it's, it's really, really exciting. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, well, I appreciate that. And I also feel the same way about you guys. So we'll, we'll see if, if history lines up with our visions for where we think history will go. Right. Well, I'm going to invite you, Danny, to kick us off as the guest with uh, your first takeaway from what you've learned from the past 50 episodes or so that you've recorded. The first thing that I want to highlight is how my show got started. I started recording conversations and recording podcasts because I reached out on Twitter to people who followed me and I said, hey, who wants to have a conversation? Who wants to have a phone call? And what happened was I got so many responses from people and, and I had so many incredible conversations. So the first thing that I want to take away and the first thing that I've learned is that the reward has to come from the conversation. I think that if you start with that, anything that happens, whether that be success with people downloading or getting great guests, like that's all great and stuff, but you need to be able to love the conversation and how it starts. Like for you guys, it started with, talking to people and having great conversations and thinking, wow, you know, we should record this. Well, same thing happened to me. And if, if you, if you start with that pure intent, then it just becomes icing on the cake, whatever happens. So my first takeaway from doing 50 podcasts that I want to highlight the first lesson is the reward is the conversation. Yeah. I mean, and that's what Lewis and I remind ourselves, each other to ourselves all the time is just that the intrinsic value of these podcasts that we're doing, these conversations is so great that like, you know, you've had a, a, a larger growth in audience than we've had up to, up to this point. And we've kind of had to consistently remind ourselves that it, it really, while the audience is great and it makes everything easier, like what matters is how you're able to connect with the person across from the camera from you or in person, you know? So I, I totally, I totally get that. And I'm, I'm happy that you said that because like, I think that's the same thing for like Tim Ferriss too, you know, like the value of those conversations. And, and someone was talking about how he's had like weirder guests on recently and he, they don't fully understand like what directions he's in, but now he's like back to A-listers and it's like, Tim Ferriss does not care about how famous somebody is in regard to bring them on their podcast because he's just trying to learn. And as a result of that, he's built this gigantic empire that we're all familiar with. Um, but my first takeaway is that, and this is it's not really from uh, the podcast necessarily, but just from this year in general for me. And it's that energy and like energy and attitude, I think are interchangeable, but your, your attitude is a mirror for the world around you. And I think that the reason for that is that people have an incredibly innate uh, ability to sense authenticity and that um, like you have to, you have to give positive vibes in order to get them back. And uh, like 
it's not always been the case for me that I do that. And I think that I'm on this cyclical sort of like self-confidence, like there's a self-confidence cycle, I think that happens where you, um, you feel like you're on top of the world at some moments and at some moments you're definitely not on top of the world. And when you're on top of the world, you're radiating this energy or this attitude that brings people in. And it's like everything good happens in those moments. And it's like, I, I want to optimize my energy and my attitude to be in those moments more than not. And like 2020 has been a year where I, where I have found more people that display that energy and have that right attitude that than any other year that I've, I've lived before in a time where it feels like the world's energy and attitude is, is not that way. So it's, that's been a big blessing for me. And one of my big lessons from 2020. What have you been doing practically to like purposefully well, lean into that? Uh, I would say, you know, 75 hard was a, a I, mean, I mean, the podcast 75 hard, and then now, I mean, there's like habits that I, that I try and do every day. I wouldn't say that I'm great at it. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, and this is something that I wrote down um, literally while I was doing Wim Hof earlier, Lewis, I, I was literally like in the middle of a retention and I was like, I've got to write this down because I, I got to remember it. But it's that there is beauty and truth in everything, like in every like I can look out my window right here and like there is beauty in these trees and like it, it's incredible. And, and when you realize that, and that's the same for perspectives and people and their circumstances and what's led them to make the decisions that piss you off on the freeway, like you, you'd be able to empathize with anybody. And there is beauty and truth in all of those circumstances. And when you choose to see it, I think that is when your attitude and energy are, are good and aligned. And like you, when you're smiling, when you're laughing, that comes from you choosing to be able to see the beauty and truth in these different moments. So I think, yeah, go for it. No, no I mean, practically, I would say, I would say it's not a practical answer, but like, you know, exercising obviously makes me better. I don't often, I don't have the best habits with that. And that's why I'm doing an accountability thing with Danny and like trying to be better at that. Breathing, um, like Talger with like being with your body, but I'll, I'll end my rant here. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, man, like there's always beauty in the world and there's always evil. And it's up to us whether to direct our attention in a lot of cases. We don't always get the choice, but in a lot of cases, we can choose in random moments. So the fact that you are taking that step shows what 2021 has in store for you and also how, how it's a choice in a lot of respects because you've made that choice in the most difficult year for a lot of people of all time. Yeah, I mean, to touch on two things there, like Soul Bra on your episode when he was like, or, or was it soul bra? I think it was when he was like, once you realize that your thoughts are not uh, like cement, like you can choose to see whether or not they are true or false 
or just not recognize them at all. And you can move on from that. Like that being a choice, I think is sort of like the cornerstone for what I'm saying, where you can find like the beauty in any moment or any like external thing that is facing you. Because you can look at your own thoughts and say, well, I just, I reject that. Or I, you know, it's like, these thoughts aren't who I am. They are just like a product of like, I don't even know, just existence, matter, energy, mass, you know? I love it. I, uh, I can't say I followed every single metaphor, but I love the, the discernment. It's classic stoicism 101. You know, things just are, uh, and it's up to us to interpret them as good or bad. And if the podcast and the things you've been spending your time doing in the past six months have helped you get better at that, I would consider that time well spent. So my first takeaway here revolves around the idea I, I kind of call a, a success criteria or setting essentially an extremely clear bar uh, for what is success and then what is bonus. So I think the 75 hard is something that the three of us have all done, uh, which we hadn't mentioned until now. Danny has also done it, and I believe he's completed all three phases. Uh, so he's completed the whole lift hard cycle. But the 75 hard was kind of the first thing I did that really taught me this lesson where on the scale of a day, the day is a success or failure. If you get these six things done, and we've talked enough about the 75 hard, it's you know drinking water, doing certain exercises, reading a book, taking a picture, etc. If you do all six of those things, you can consider the day a victory. Uh, and then anything else that you do on top of that is bonus. But if it doesn't get done, the day is still a victory. And applying that same mindset and that same clear cutoff to just about everything you do makes it, in my opinion, a lot easier to navigate the psychology of winning and losing and like feeling like you're meeting your own expectations or not. So after you know the summer, the podcast was really successful in our intrinsic worldview and the way that it was doing all the things we hoped it would do. And so looking at in August, looking towards August through December and trying to set my personal goals for the show, for school, for fitness, for everything else, I kind of used that lesson of the 75 hard and clear success criteria to say, what has to get done this semester to consider it a victory? And then what are my bonus goals? And that really helped me kind of on the days that I had a lot of extra stress or felt like I was doing too much know what I could feel good about leaving undone versus what I could not feel good about leaving undone. So I set bare minimum goals for success, get good enough grades to graduate with the GPA I wanted to get, publish one podcast every week. And then one of my big challenges for this year was not drinking any alcohol or smoking in any kind for the whole year. So as long as I met those three things by the end of the semester is a success. Anything I did on top of that, publishing, writing essays, starting an email newsletter, going out and having fun, like any of those things, came secondary to the clear bar I had set for myself. And that kind of helped me manage my ambition, right? Like I say, I want to do all this amazing stuff. And then on your off days, like you said, Kyle, like balancing your energy on your off days, it's like, holy shit, I've (laughs) said a lot in front of myself. uh, And then you don't have the energy to tackle all of it. So that helps me have the discipline and the focus and the clear prioritization to just choose. So the idea of setting a clear bar for 2021, setting a clear bar for the next six months of the podcast, what is enough to consider the next six months a success? And then what else is bonus? And I think kind of what you're talking about with the intrinsic reward of the podcast, I think Kyle and I have almost internalized that so deeply that like, that's one of the reasons we haven't put so much emphasis on marketing because we've convinced ourselves so deeply that (laughs) the benefit of the podcast is doing it, that, you know, recording it, publishing it, getting listeners, like all of that is truly just, you know, it's great if people are listening to it, but we're just enjoying doing it. 
And that's almost led us to put like not our full energy towards marketing it because it's already good enough with very, very small audience downloads, uh, which is great. And the incentives might line up in the long term, but like as far as performance marketing, that's not the best attitude. But you know, whether or not performance marketing is a good attitude is, is a secondary discussion. But that is my first takeaway. I love it. And it speaks to something that I said when I first started my podcast, going back to the intrinsic point of my goal was just to do 100 episodes. And if I could do 100 episodes, that would be a success in my eyes and everything else is just bonus. So I relate exactly to what you're talking about. Awesome. Well, you want to queue up your second one? We'll just keep this order because might as well. May as well. The The second one is the importance of having peace and presence for wherever the conversation goes. And these two words just, they keep me grounded. When I think about a conversation, when I'm in a conversation, when I'm trying to record a podcast, I'm thinking about peace and presence. And when you first start, when I first started, I was just all over the place, like high energy going crazy, this topic, that topic, everything. And for me personally, it helped to just think about peace and presence. And I want to just highlight a few things that have helped me cultivate that peace and presence so that someone listening could maybe benefit from it. The first is meditation. Meditation, just 20 minutes a day, sitting with your breath, becoming aware of your thoughts has really helped me to feel centered while podcasting. So that's one thing. Another thing that's really helped me is recording a conversation with my grandparents. And so I was interviewing my grandparents and I was comfortable in that situation. So I was able to be the, the person that I wanted to present to on a podcast. And it was really easy for me to interview them. So I think recording a conversation with someone you love or someone who is not judgmental and you can, you feel comfortable with can be a really good way to find your voice as a podcaster. And then the, the last thing is just maintaining an attitude of curiosity and openness. And that when I think about curiosity and openness, I get to peace and presence and that has, has really helped me. So those are three things that have helped me gain peace and presence for podcasting. Yeah. I, I love that, that whole idea of peace and presence. And I have two points I want to make about it. The first is that, yeah, I think that's such an important learning for hosts and interviewers because you come prepared with this massive outline and it's someone like, you know, you bring on Jack Butcher on your podcast or Joel Runnan, someone who, you know, you've been following their work for a super long time and you're like, I just want to cover everything because I want my audience to know how cool this person is. And then you bring up one thing and the guest just takes it and runs with it for 40 minutes. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't get to any of this. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just have to have that that peace and presence that the conversation is going to go where it goes, and that's fine. And that's a helpful mantra for sure. The second point I want to make is an analogy related to learning handstands based on what you said about you know interviewing your grandparents. So I spent a lot of time from August to December learning handstand skills and different shapes and like different varieties and duration and all sorts of stuff. And one lesson from that is... Every time you train, you have to have only one cue. So only one thing to focus your attention on. So for example, when you're first learning how to balance, your sole priority is learning to shift the weight between the front of your hand and the back of your hand to balance. And then after you're good enough at that, you that becomes autopilot and your focus can then shift to moving your legs around and like shifting your legs from a tuck to a straddle to a pike uh, because it's on autopilot now to be able to hold your body upside down. And I think the lesson there is that on your podcasting, you have to 
by bringing on your grandparents, for example, the your attention did not have to go to making myself appear confident, making myself appear cool, making myself appear intelligent and well-researched because you were in a situation where that was already taken care of in your head. So that you could then elevate to kind of the next level. You have abstracted that layer of like personal confidence and personal well-being to, okay, let's focus on asking amazing questions. Let's focus on being hyper-engaged in the conversation and just like losing myself in the dialogue. And I think, I'm trying to think how, you know, you practically extrapolate that to other circumstances. But the point is, and a lot of that comes through repetition as well. Like after having done 50 episodes, I think we've all fairly substantially improved our confidence and like shedding the the need to feel smart, the need to feel impressive and kind of these unproductive beginner mindset beliefs when you're starting an interview podcast. But I think that purposely changing your environment and that this is something Kyle and I did as well. We brought on, you know, Kyle's sister-in-law's best friend, who's one of Kyle's best friends. We brought on my cousin and those conversations automatically reach a different level because so many of those initial concerns in your head, uh, which would be your cue if you're talking to someone like Jack Butcher, who Kyle and I admire and would love to bring on, like we might be just concerned about how we look and how we present ourselves to someone like that versus that vibe for like social approval just isn't there when it's with an environment you're comfortable with. So I think that's a really valuable kind of self-aware takeaway that I think is super interesting. Yeah. And on that point, I had no plan and I don't know if I will actually publish it. And I think that the idea that I wasn't even sure if I was going to publish it or might not publish it, that was part of it too, because there was no pressure to perform in any way. It was literally just questions that I was curious about. And so that part may be helpful for someone listening as well. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a practical thing to go and do. And I think that's something that Lewis and I didn't do well at first because we were using like a live document when recording interviews where we were sort of like having a conversation in addition to the conversation that we were having where we were interviewing. And I think on that live document, we were sort of like doing our best to make sure that we were going to look like we were prepared and intellectual and like ready to ready to kill it. And I think that I don't think it was horrible, but I do think that it took away from like our peace and presence, like you're saying. And I think that in the future, I'm definitely going to use those two words because that's so powerful. And like, even on this, you know, like it really does feel different when the little red button is on and it's recording. It's just a fact. And I think that those two words in conjunction really help you to, to calm down. But how did I'm you jump in quickly real quick? Oh, I thought you were about to go for takeaway to in transition. Uh, I was going to ask him a question about peace and oh. presence. Okay. Well, mine's just a one sentence with no continuation. Okay. Peace and presence comes from pen and paper. Keep it, keep it four P's. I love that. That's definitely Randa, the title of Lewis's uh... 50. Yeah. Peace and presence from pen and paper. There we Lewis, go. Lewis learnings number seven coming at you Eight. for sure. Uh, but <laughs> Danny, so you just recently interviewed Gary V and, and like, that's a big name, you know, everybody sort of knows who that is, but for you, I think it was a little bit, it's a little bit more important than most people realize because you're obsessed with him when you're like 14. You sort of, I don't, you know, I don't know the full backstory, but can you, you've got to be a little nervous when Zoom pops up and Gary V's right there. So how did you use uh, peace and presence in that conversation? It was really difficult. And the truth is, I don't think I did a great job of that in that conversation. I was, I wouldn't say I was nervous, but I would say that I wanted to hit certain questions and it didn't flow like a normal conversation, a normal podcast of mine normally does. 
because I was so curious about specific things. So yeah, I, I would say that that is a note to myself in knowing how I'll react to a, a guest like Gary Vaynerchuk, if that happens in the future and be able to, to, to approach it better. Because the thing with Gary V was that it was, I got on the zoom with him at like 303 and he tells me, listen, we have a hard stop at 330 and I'm trying my best to get these questions that I really want to ask him. But he's also telling me that we have to stop at this set time. And then he tells me, no, we could actually keep going for a few, you know? So it's really just trying your best in every moment. I think that's, that's the takeaway from that episode. Yeah, totally. I think that's, <laughs> that, that's so great. Like, I mean, he it was like a childhood role model for you, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And so like, what's funny there, and I think this like applies generally to podcasting is that like, you know, Gary V so well, and like, you've got all these really deep curiosities about like why he's done certain things and like what his mentality is. And this is his first time meeting you. But because he has so many digital assets, you, he, you feel like you've been in a room with him for hours and hours before this conversation. So you've got like this long list of questions that you could ask him. And he's just sort of like taking a flyer on you. And it's it's like, so crazy. It's uh-huh. so crazy because I have used him to make decisions in the past that I've literally wrote down in my journal. Gary, if Gary Vaynerchuk was in this situation talking to me, what would he say? And I know what he'd say because I've listened to him so much, but it's crazy when you turn on the Zoom and he's the one on the other end. It was just like, it's crazy to me. And it's also just goes to show that we're only one separation. The internet makes us all so much closer than we realize. And everyone is reachable in 2020 or 2021. Everyone has checks their DMs. Everyone checks their email. Like, please use this opportunity. Reach out to someone who is impressive to you. You don't know what's going to happen. I certainly didn't know what was going to happen when I just threw out a random tweet that my dream guest is Gary Vaynerchuk. So yeah, use this internet, please. If there's one thing I've asked for someone listening. Yeah. I think Lewis and I believe that so entirely that it's like, okay, everyone is reachable. Now, how do we, how do we cultivate a list of people to reach that makes sense for us? And that's sort Positive of constraints. a difficult thing, you know? So how have you, before, so we don't turn this into a podcast, how do you <laughs> cultivate that list in your head? I have so many people that I'm a fan of. It's crazy. Like someone asked me, how do I find guests? Well, I read so much. I read as much as I possibly can. I read on the internet. I read books, you know? And so if people are, are just doing cool things. I want to talk to them. I don't have a way of constraining that truly. And I just send out a flyer to as many people as possible. What's helpful to me is Mm -hmm. that I'm producing 156 episodes every year. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of slots to fill. And I still feel as if there's more people that I want to talk to that I can't. So I don't really have a good answer to constrain it. You know, you're one of the only people that can relate to like reading literally any article and seeing a name, Googling them, be like, hmm, like that would probably be a good podcast guest. Maybe I should email them or something. It's just like, there's so many people out there. Definitely. So what's your second takeaway? So I think this year I learned 
that there are two, it's like two classes of people. I think that I am not the great, the best class. I think it's like there are cooks and there are chefs is what I'm trying to say. It's just really a first principles like idea. But cooks versus cooks and chefs is a, definitely a good illustration for first principles. But like a cook is someone who follows somebody else. It's it's uh, Taylor Pearson and Tim Urban. Uh, a cook is someone who follows someone else's system, and a chef is someone who is inventing the system. I, I think that that applies like generally to everything. I think entrepreneurs are people that create systems and employees are people that follow systems. And I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be the chef. I want to look at things from the very base unit of truth that you can find. And I don't think that I've always done that. And I think there are some times that I've, I've done it, but I want to, you know, optimize my life to be as much in the camp of being a chef as possible. Um, I think that, that like using that chef analogy it comes down to like for chefs it's the ingredients like what how do you find the best quality ingredient and those sort of represent like these base units of truth and I, i want to in 2021 find the best ingredients and implement really good systems because it's something that i haven't been great at in my life and i think that it will be really incredible for me right now and also as a way of compounding into the future when i think about podcasts do you look at each person that you bring on the podcast as an ingredient that makes up your podcast (laughs) that is very interesting it definitely is it has to be That, that is true because like Lewis and I are only publishing one a week, so it's 52 a year. Um, well, every guest contributes to what our brand, what our uh, internet real estate represents and like what we want to teach people or, or learn about ourselves. So it's like each piece of, it's like one 52nd of that is whatever guest we're gonna, is you right now. You know what I mean? So it's definitely an ingredient. I think that's really interesting. And nobody can create the piece, the whole pie that you will create after doing 52 episodes. Nobody can possibly create the same one because no one is going to be interested in the same guests. Just a really interesting takeaway. That's an interesting cake for sure. Man, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Kyle, I got three responses. Oh. number things and then just go for them. Uh, three responses to your chef analogy. Pieces of advice for you for 2021, if you're welcome to receive them. Uh, the first one that you're doing a damn good job at is clarity about what you want to cook or what you want to make, because that informs what ingredients you need to study. So you kind of have done a very good job of clearly identifying that you want to pursue a career in real estate. So that helps focus all of your education so that you can, you know, you don't need to learn about all these ingredients to cook Thai food or to like do some other thing because those ingredients aren't going to taste very good in uh in your cake. So you kind of have to, if you know what ingredients to study, you've whittled down the infinite vast universe of potential ingredients to just the ones you need to study. The second one is something that uh, we talked about with Tal Gurr and his big in his book is that I think you could benefit more from leaning into intuition because that's what, that's what cooks do. It's I think mm-hmm. people or chefs, people who aren't chefs or don't identify as chefs that they don't realize about chefs 
is they attribute to genius, right? What is more often than not a consequence of just intuition and pub and playing in public. Intuition. So it's like the chefs, the iteration as well, right? The in intuition comes from vast quantities of iteration and vast quantities of practice. And again, it's, you're only viewing the highlight reel of the chefs. You're only looking at their successful recipes. They only put the good stuff on the menu, right. but you don't see the hours of toil making the stuff that doesn't turn out tasting any good. Uh, but the end result is, you know, all of the different outcomes came from playing with the different inputs. Uh, and the third one is going to weave really nicely into my second takeaway, uh, which is the best way to become a chef is to surround yourself with other chefs. Because my second takeaway is kind of this triple title, the importance of environment, the importance of cultivating input autonomy. So owning and being very, very deliberate about what ideas, what people what words, what images literally get in front of your eyeballs, what sounds get in front of your ear holes. Like that is just so important and such a big lesson from this podcast is being extremely deliberate about the stimulus that goes into your mind because that shapes kind of like you were saying in your first takeaway, Kyle, how you see the world. So for me, I think that the podcast has been the way for me to every single week, sometimes more often than once, surround myself with someone who is closer to the chef end of the spectrum than the cook end of the spectrum. And obviously, as you identified, I completely agree with you. Entrepreneurs have to be chefs to succeed as entrepreneurs. Otherwise, they just are employees that run their own businesses and are kind of trying to juggle two balls that really uh, aren't good to be juggling both of. So for me, the most beneficial thing of doing the podcast has been the habit of chatting every single week with someone who sees the world in the way I want to see the world, which as a consequence has made me truly see the world that way. So mainstream media, to give a very general term that's overused, uh, does not do a good job of representing entrepreneurship as possible, as deterministic, as something that is accessible to regular people. So most people going through the main route of life and like, you know, the school system and professors and TV news and pop books, like don't present the world in a way where like, this is something for anyone to do, or if they do, they don't do it in a persuasive way, or they don't do it in a representative way, right? They come back to the genius fallacy. They're like, well, this person was successful because they're a genius, or they come back to the luck fallacy. This person was successful because they got lucky. And so through the process of deeply immersing myself in one-on-one -on -one in-person interactions, it's, it's very different, right, Danny? Like going on reading Gary Vee's material for 10 years, versus having Gary Vee face-to-face responding to the question you asked him, like which one of those things is gonna hit more deeply? <laughs> so I could read Taylor Pearson's blog for the past three years and be like, sure, yeah, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. Sure, yeah, like I'm gonna find the intersection of what I'm good at and what I like doing and like what feels like play to me and looks like, like all these ideas from his blog. Or I could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and have him literally like reprogramming my brain because this is just a, a kind of a tangent briefly, but I think one thing I've learned this semester is to not give equal weight to everyone's opinions. I think it's like kind of this human bias that we give equal value to everything we hear from all people versus realizing someone really does not have much perspective about the thing that they're giving you advice on. It's like asking someone who doesn't listen to any entrepreneurship content and like has a very common sense approach to business, which just means applying ideas from unrelated areas of life and not hard fought experience, giving you business advice should not be given equal consideration. It's like not everyone's vote should count equally. But that being said, if you, because we kind of have a tendency to count everyone's vote equally anyway, it's very important that you, the majority, and by majority, I mean greater than 51% of people who are influencing your, your brain, see the world in the way that you want to see the world kind of in your vision, in your future, in your desired future self. And the podcast has kind of changed my worldview. 
It's like you said, I've used the internet to connect off of common interests rather than connecting off of convenience, meeting people deliberately based on who's going to teach about the things I want to get better at versus I'm going to learn from the people who I just happen to be in the same room as. And I think that's really good. So, you know, I've repeated this. It's been on so, so, so many podcast episodes. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think the most beneficial thing for me of having 52 podcast episodes is that I have a really, really dope average. I really want to underscore the point about the difference between hearing Gary Vaynerchuk's content and talking to him, difference between hearing Taylor Person tell you those things versus actually experiencing them. And it's crazy because I got this when I did 75 hard, right? Anyone could tell you the journey is the destination, but it's only after living that and realizing that you actually enjoyed the process more than you did celebrating the process that you can really understand that. So I think it just goes to show you have to experience some of these things. You have to experience some of those conversations. You might know everything The Rock says if you're a huge Rock, The Rock fan, but you won't actually know unless you talk to him and let, you won't experience that. You know, so kind of just piggybacking on your point, I think it's such an important one in today's day and age when everything is virtual and, and we feel like we can be in so many different rooms. So when we are actually doing it, when we're actually experiencing it, that's when it hits us at our soul and it will have the greatest impact on you and you'll you'll see it. Yeah, that's one thing I heard again this morning. So we had Evan Carmichael on a few weeks ago and he was a super awesome guest. And I've ever since then been on his email list for he sends you a daily motivational video. And I'm like, this is nice. Uh, so I get to start my day, right? With like a very deliberately selected positive stimulus that's gonna make me motivated and see the world from the minds of these great authors and great speakers. And like, it's an amazing way to reprogram the way that you see the world to be more positive. And the one I got today was from Eckhart Tolle, kind of the power of now author. And he was saying, people don't realize like the majority of life is the, is the journey, not the destination. So you can count on two hands, the number of significant life destination days, right? Wedding, bar mitzvah for the Jews out there, death, kids being born. I mean, there's like 10 of them, like 10 major life events. Uh, so living your life for those destinations is like a pretty mathematically bad decision. It's like 10 days out of, I don't know, 30,000 or whatever, like a typical lifespan is. Uh, eight, well, it's 8,000 weeks, 4,000 weeks, 28,000. So let's say 28,000. Oh, that was a pretty good guess. Okay, anyway, uh, 28,000 days, standard lifespan of 79 or so years and you should not be like living just in anticipation of college graduation, high school graduation, and your wedding. And instead just like, or, you know, the one day, like you said, you hit the incredible milestone of 10,000 downloads in the month of December. Like, I think you had more fun doing the podcast. Like that was just a number on a screen. You're like, hell yeah. Okay. Let's record another podcast. And it's just finding love for the process. Right. And that's, that's something that we've all experienced and has been it. so beneficial. Right, Lewis? Hmm? There's beauty in everything. There is. There's beauty in everything. There is. Right. Well, Absolutely. My comment on that is like, one of the things I like to consider is, let's say Bill Gates now, as one of the richest people or Jeff Bezos or whoever, uh, took a book that had all the lessons that he had learned, everything that he knew in the face of the decisions that he had to make. And he took that book and he took a time, a time machine and went back and met Bill Gates as a 17 year old. And he handed him this book. Like Bill Gates wouldn't be Bill Gates if he had a book about how to be Bill Gates. <laughs> like 
you can get all of this advice, all of this information, all of this uh, roadmap that you should follow from a billion different people. Like Lewis is saying, like there's, uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't weigh every vote the same. Um, but that's because all advice is autobiographical. And that's something that I have learned from this podcast from Wes K.O., who's a really, really smart lady. Um, but all advice is autobiographical and like the journey that you're on, there's, there's a tie here. To I got, I got something so for you. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to help you out. So the Bill Gates gives Bill Gates a book, right? But you don't become Bill Gates. You don't become the chef by reading the cookbook. You become the chef right. by going page by page, going to the grocery store, learning where the ingredients are and making every single recipe until it's perfect. Love it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Exactly. I don't know who we're on or what takeaway. Who needs to say what? Was that your comment to my takeaway or was that a takeaway? No, it was a comment to your takeaway. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's invite Danny to queue up number three. Number three. Okay. So when I started... This is going to sound crazy, but I was just like, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss make this look so easy. You know, Tim Ferriss obviously does a shitload of research, but Joe Rogan, like he's just winging it. He's just having fun. I could probably do the same thing. I have conversations all the time. And I didn't do much research in the beginning for a lot of my conversations in part because I knew people pretty well. But when I started to get away from that and get to people who I didn't know as well, I noticed a difference in the conversation quality and I wasn't as happy with how it turned out. So the point is my, my third lesson is do your research and a couple of ways that I, I like to do that and impress the guest are to one, use the advanced search tool on Twitter. I think this is the most underutilized tool in all of the podcast game. If you bring up a tool, if you bring up a tweet, rather, that someone tweeted three years ago, first of all, they don't remember it. Second of all, they're immediately impressed and so is the guest, so is the the listener. And that allows for, for such a great moment because like when Tim Ferriss brings up things from 2000, I'm always like, wow, how do you, how do you know that? He went to that place and, and researched that and I'm always impressed as a listener. So I assume that people who listen also are impressed and from what I've heard from listener comments, it seems like it makes a big impact when you do your research. It shows that you value not only the guest time, but also the listeners. And that is my third takeaway. Yeah, I think like I was saying earlier about Gary V, like you had done so much natural, like in, okay, David Perel, his um, How to Start a Podcast uh, article, he talks about, his passive versus active learning about a guest. And like you had done so much passive research on Gary V, not even knowing that you had a podcast, not knowing that you were gonna have an opportunity to talk to him one day and ask him questions that was gonna be published, that it made that conversation for you like incredible because you had so much research in these questions. And I think that, you know, you can make that happen as a function of the time that you're willing to spend with some of these people's work. And that's something that I'm hoping to, to do better this year is to research more heavily. You know, we had a couple of authors and I hadn't read their books because of me and because like, you know, they, they scheduled for Monday and it's 
Saturday. It's like, I got, well, I, I, I would read it. I can't even get it from Amazon right now, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that that definitely takes the conversation to a whole new level when you actually understand what these people are about. And if you can communicate that not only to them, but to your audience, that it'll be a 10 X improvement on the conversation and the podcast itself. Yeah. Two things about that. First is that weirdly enough, when two weeks before Gary Vaynerchuk came on or decided to come on the podcast, I wrote a note in my phone that said questions for Gary V. And that was just absurd coincidence, synchronicity, luck. I have no idea, but the universe works in mysterious ways. The second thing is that the David Perel article you mentioned is exactly how I started my podcast. That was, I looked at that article. I knew was like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the research element of it. You see, you're on it. And that's the thing. It's impressive to people. So yeah, couldn't agree more. Research is super important and it's obvious now, but when I was starting, it certainly was not. Before Lewis comes in, I want to say like Joe Rogan, one of my favorite moments of his podcast is he had this author on who talked it all about aliens and she got really flustered with him because he didn't read her book. And it's like, lady, this is, it's Joe Rogan. Like he's changing your career right now by having you on the show. Like maybe he didn't read your book, but get over it. And that's how I thought about it. And like, it gives you a little bit of freedom in terms of like, when you are podcasting, when you are going into a conversation, I think you can feel a lot of guilt for not researching enough. And like Lewis is saying like, the the bar for success is sort of very vague when it comes to how much research you should be doing but i think that you know just everybody should do their best and it all works out yeah and also go going back to that peace and presence right if you are happy with where you are if you are happy with yourself before you start a conversation you are going to provide the best self to the other person and yeah, that's something that I've thought about a lot. Even if I haven't done all the research, if I'm good with me, then that will make the other person good with themselves as well. Energy is a mirror. Yeah, I think another thing on that same line of thinking is just how so much uh, clarity can flow from purpose or how much, I'm going to double use the word clarity, how much clarity can come from having a clear purpose. Uh, so for example, Joe Rogan, if his goal, his episode with this uh, aliens lady, Joe Rogan's purpose is what? To be entertaining, to be humorous, mildly educational. I don't think you need to read the book to accomplish that, right? And so for us, it's a question of what is our goal? Is it to prove to this author that we're their most diligent student? Is it to uh, teach the listeners like the spark, like the 45 minute edition of the book so they don't have to read it? I mean, we, that's a question we have to answer. And more often than not, the question that Kyle and I use when we prepare for these conversations is what is it that we want to learn from this person and what is it you know in our lives that they're better than us at that we want to get their advice from so we can you know rise to their level of success in that area of life and sometimes reading their book does not necessarily lead to that you know reading if we're bringing on you know lee lefevre who his book was big enough the uh, kind of his journey of how he started a business with very, very specific constraints as to how it should grow such that it doesn't interfere with his life. And like, so it becomes the type of business he wants to continue to have. 
I read that whole book, but I don't, you know, think that was necessary for the conversation we wanted to have from him. And it was beneficial that I did. And I had that extra time and I, I just happened to enjoy passive, that passive research. But as far as, you know, from the repetition of doing a podcast, I've realized, you know, as long as you have maybe 12 prepared questions and a deep curiosity for what this person's knowledgeable about, meaning you didn't say yes to guests you shouldn't have said yes to because you only brought them on for their clout, not for your credibility in them, you're going to have a conversation that's beneficial either way. Versus if you're our friend Nick Hutchison, whose podcast is Book Thinkers Life-Changing Books, and his podcast is, I'm going to give you the 45 minutes of this book so that you are inspired to buy it and read it. I think it's absolutely critical for him to be very deeply aware of the book. So it comes back to, you know, are you clear about your purpose of creating your podcast? And that and kind the of expect helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the expectations that not only the audience has of you, but you have of the conversation. I think that's really important to clarify that. And you're getting my head turning on on which ways, what do I, what's my question like? What? So thank you for that. I will certainly like, be thinking about that. That's the ingredient thing. It's like, what is it that you are trying to do with your podcast? And like, that is, that's why one fifty second of like, you are one fifty second of the podcast that we're releasing this year. You are a like, vote in the direction that we want our podcast to go in and because of that like sometimes you lose it i mean you know it's okay hey it's all good yeah no expectations this is why you know we have as the uh i I think i said either on air or off air i'm the conductor uh, of this chat Uh and we had three prepared lessons and we had you know just do whatever commentary came to mind for the commentary we didn't read each other's lists if you hit a dead end, you hit a dead end, and it's no expectations. Yeah. I, so I, I, I've, the good news I've is you have number three prepared. For sure. So you can just r- jump yeah. right into that smooth transition. Definitely learn to forgive myself for, for not knowing how to finish the sentence. But um, I think one really important lesson that I learned this year <clears throat> is um, about valuing tradition and valuing like the power of what's come before us so we had a podcast with ethan reeves um he's just somebody that lewis and i know from school but he's incredible he he started he's like a renaissance man i mean he's done 60 shows he owns a business that has ten thousand users that he's the sole proprietor of like this person is a superhuman and he talked a lot about standing on the shoulders of his grandparents and how he is the result of like a certain level of resolve that existed in his great grandparents and his grandparents and his parents and that he feels like great personal responsibility because of that. And that's, that's one side of this argument. And then the other side is like, um, David Prell really, or he just sent out in one of his newsletters, this thing about tradition. And I read it and it had this really powerful parable in it. And it's like, this is going to take a second. Um, so there's like an African tribe and over the last, you know, thousand, 2000 years, the women in this tribe have spent six hours of their day every day cleaning this certain route. And it seems that uh, to this, this one girl that that is inefficient, that she shouldn't be cleaning this route for six hours a day. There's other ways to do it. Like, so she goes out and she finds a way to do it in an hour. So she has five hours more a day to um, like help her family, to 
to go and get water. She, you know, everybody thinks that she's an amazing mother. And then 15 years later, her whole family dies of arsenic poisoning because the root, what she didn't realize, what she couldn't see was that the wisdom in that tradition of the six hours of cleaning it every day. And I think that in my life, I have not been completely aware of the value in these traditions and how much truth and beauty that there is in them. I grew up in a, in a Christian school like my entire life from K4 to 10th to grade. Uh, every day there's a Bible lesson, every day there's um, just so much information. And like I became sort of, what's the word? Like it's just, it's just too much, you know? And I stopped seeing the, the, the value in that tradition but as I, I've started to like look at it from a different lens, a different perspective, it's like, there's just, there's so much we don't know and so little that I know about the world and life. It's like, why wouldn't I trust the resolve of the hundreds of years, thousands of years of decisions of my ancestors to bring me to where I'm at today? And so I, I have a deep respect for tradition much more now going into 2021 than I did 2019 going into 2020. Yeah, this was also a huge lesson for me in the sense of learning about, this was the year that I learned about anti-fragility from Nassim Nicholas, Nicholas Tlaib and the the idea of, of Lindy, Lindy things and Lindy ideas. And it really resonated with me, right? Because anybody can be good for one day. Anybody can, any book can be good for one year, but the longer something is, the the more substance there is behind it in a lot of cases. So I think it's a great point and something that I will think about often. Yeah. I've, uh, I've repeated this heuristic in a lot of circumstances now, but I'll repeat it now. It's something that I think Eric Jorgensen said, who we've both interviewed about his book, The, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. And he had actually on, on a Twitter thread, had said something he had like connected us to and was like, are you two friends yet? Cause you should be. And like, we weren't yet. We're like, we're in the process of it. We're like meeting in a week and whatever. And then we like hit it off the next week and here we are. Uh, so I guess Eric's pretty smart, but he has this line from the Navalmanac, which is the older the question, the older the answer and the newer the question, the newer the answer. So for dealing with matters of life and human relations and like the soul and relationships and things that are not new in modern society, these biblical texts so like how to be virtuous how to be happy how to have a good life like those the old the oldest remaining answers to those questions tend to be pretty good uh and there's a few competing ones that have different merits christianity judaism stoicism like all of these uh various belief systems that are kind of these wholesale packages and frameworks for answering life's older questions uh and i completely agree and, and have a point i'll make on that in a second and then on the newer questions like how to build a web app using python uh, you're probably not going to find a very handy tutorial in the Bible for solving that problem. And you might want to refer to a newer resource uh, if that's the goal you're trying to solve. So the older the questions, the older the answer, the newer the questions, the newer the answer. And I think that's another thing. I don't know if it's something I learned this year, but it's something kind of I've had an awareness of that I'm continuing to do because it's an ongoing process. You don't just make a, a grand realization that's like, wait, maybe I could learn something from religion and then just know what to do with life all of a sudden. Uh, you're still trying to find the, the right way to integrate integrate that idea into your habits and your practices and your belief systems. Uh, but I, I've agreed with that. And I think, you know, a lot of something that Danny's actually talked to us about 
off air is like how we all have some sort of deliberate mindset training. And that's kind of what I had said on my second answer about cultivating the inputs to determine the way you see the world. And something that's very deeply a part of Judaism is, you know, the morning prayers are basically first thing you're supposed to do in the morning is remind yourself, like, I'm happy just to be alive. I'm grateful to literally have woken up today. And the night prayer is like, you know, uh, there's only one God, which I take to mean something like, you know, being in service of a higher power or being in service of a higher cause leads to like a more purpose and fulfilled life. And it's Judaism or before you eat, you say a prayer to like be appreciative for the food and like all these secular practices guide you towards the same thing, right? Throughout the day, remind yourself of gratitude through gratitude journaling. And you can kind of choose to be Frankenstein and build these habits yourself over a series of years. Or you can kind of just like borrow a fairly good, robust, un I didn't say fragile system for like, okay, on everyone wants to talk about the digital Sabbath and it's just like the Jews for 2000 years are like, what if we just don't create one day a week? What if we spend Friday nights with our families no matter what? And it's very, every religion, I'm just obviously familiar with the one I was raised with, has its answers to these old questions. And it's kind of, do you go with the tide or do you go against the tide? Do you want to be like, I'm a single individual who's smarter than ancient tradition and I'm going to rebuild my own way to achieve this end goal? Or is it, you know, maybe my parents and the literally uncountable like size of people who are smarter than me and live longer than me and dealt with much, much, much harder circumstances and arrived as this as the right answer to deal with the circumstances have engineered to handle that environment. So Jewish habits, Christian habits, other habits, Buddhist habits, meditation, right? We're all big on meditation. It's like, oh, we've all come to this conclusion through secular means when there's a well-packaged age-old Lindy answer to, to the same questions. Probably said, man. Um, Kyle, just on your point of of that story, mm -hmm. I feel like we're all in a rush to, to get places, but then what people want to do with all the extra time and productivity that they do is just like spend it scrolling on Instagram. And I think this is like a crazy idea because sometimes the six hours can be, the six hour journey can just be so much more fulfilling, even though, and I know that wasn't the point of the story, but it's just like, Sometimes you can find a love in the longer process. And yeah, just, just thought I would add that point. Yeah, I think free time is difficult. I mean, I think that I'm guilty of, but I, I fully understand that like Instagram is pointless. And that's one of my 2021 things is like, I want to have more build your life resume sort of like experiences. What um, do you mean by that? I'm not familiar with the term life resume. I am, but like, but like uh, Jesse Itzler, shout out to him. He's done a, a whole lot of insane things in his life, but I, I like, he's got this calendar and it's ha it has all the weekends marked off. And like every weekend he's doing something insane. Like he's run a triathlon the last three months, just from his Instagram that I've seen. It's been, that's like kind of ironic, but um, you know, I want to like jump out of a plane. I'm, I'm horrified of heights. Like, why don't I just do that and make that a part of my identity? It's like, I need a one hour notice. That's it. Just definitely want to cast more votes in 2021 toward a um, identity filled with like adventure and wonder and like analog, not zoom, incredible life experiences. Be the hero of your own story. That's what oh, it's yeah. all about. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think this is kind of a mini takeaway I have, and, and then I'll jump into number three. It's something I've kind of realized lately because this past year I've really let work consume my entire day and weekends because it's like there's not been much else to do. And I have this kind of thing I've been telling myself that 
the reason I'm working, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed is one, because for the most part, I enjoy the work that I'm doing. We've established that there's intrinsic benefits to writing and podcasting and like all of the things involved in the research, right? We're inter interviewing people that we're interested in. So like the research for them does not feel like work, but it still is time spent in an activity for the entirety of the day. And I think the big issue there is that in 2020, with the world, the outside analog world fairly restricted, uh, to, to put it loosely, it's been very difficult to develop compelling analog leisure. Uh, and so now that's why we've all let work and habits and like at home stuff kind of accumulate and take on our entire day. And now with, you know, some fingers crossed and in sight, it's okay, let's actually purposely build in that analog leisure. Cause you know, Cal Newport, who I talk about all the time has this idea of fixed schedule productivity. Like don't work, don't work past 5 PM every day. And I try to do that. But then, I mean, I set the goal for myself to stop working at 5 p.m. every day, but it's like, okay, so I'm going to stop working at 5 p.m. What am I going to do from 5 p.m. to midnight? Like, more work? I have, like, there's nothing compelled, there's no motivating factor to have my work finished on it such that I have the time to do it. I'm like, I could watch movies or like, I don't know. Like, that doesn't motivate me enough to like work one and a half times harder so I finish three hours earlier. Uh, but hopefully, you know, if we had plans this weekend, hypothetically, to go skydiving, I would sure as hell have all my stuff done by Friday because there's actually something I'm excited for on the other side. But right now there's literally nothing I'm excited for to like, if I finish my work at 5 p.m., I'm like, great, I can read a book. Like, yeah. I don't know, I can go run more, but it's like I already got all that stuff done. Uh, so hopefully the return of the real world will inspire us to fill that real world with real things of real value and motivate us to become less, work less of workaholics. But I have a third takeaway here, unless anyone wants to jump in there, which is totally cool because I dropped my notebook. Go for it. All right, third takeaway, uh, and this is something Kyle and I have reflected on as a pattern as well, because I feel like mine's almost a little high level compared to how we've kind of gotten deep by 40 minutes into the interview. Uh, but it is that almost every guest we've had has learned the thing they've been good at through doing. Uh, so it's kind of learning by doing. I was looking through, I wrote down this as one of my 10 takeaways, and then I wanted to, you know, have like three or four sub points prepared to be ready to like explain it. And so I was like, okay, this is an idea. This is a theory. Let me look through our list of episodes and see if I have evidence for this. And then it was like, oh wait, every single episode is a, <laughs> is a vote in favor of this theory. Every single guest like learned the thing that they're trying to get good at by doing it. So in our most recent episode, chronologically, I don't know, uh, we released with Guy Swan, who is a very like expert on Bitcoin. And like, how do you do that? His podcast forces him every single week multiple times a week to read the very best articles published about Bitcoin out loud, slowly, one word at a time, clearly pronounce, pronounced, enunciated. That is going to make you very knowledgeable about Bitcoin. Or we have uh, Dune Rashin from Female Startup Club. It's like, why has her podcast been successful? And it's, she did a hundred episodes in the first like six months. Like she went crazy. It's like, that's why you're good at it. And just about everyone else, I mean, I you can go through her feed and like look through them or I could repeat them out loud and give you an example of it. But it is without fail, every person has ended up getting good at the thing they wanted to be good at through the process of doing it. So back to something I've kind of repeated earlier, the first step in like the practical usefulness of it is you need some clarity on what it is you want to be good at. And then you have to kind of design your own training regime uh, to integrate some level of deliberate practice of doing the things that you want to eventually be good at. So for Kyle, who wants to be a chef, he just needs to cook more. And for me and you, right, as writers... This is why we're both participating in Dickie Bush, uh, his 30 for 30 in the next couple of weeks because we for 60. I want to do it in February. Yeah. <laughs> we've identified we want to be good at writing. And so we, you know, committing with accountability, which is something we've discussed before. 
to do it every day for 30 days. And I bet we're going to be better at it. So that's kind of my next couple of days priority is this podcast has really exposed me to and ingrained the belief of I can truly learn anything with like the discipline and the organization of the 75 hard type approach to doing it and the clarity of the end goal and the self-confidence that I will just cause and effect spending time learning, spending time doing leads to being good at it. So now it's just, wow, that's a lot of potential. We could get anyone on the show because I know how to cold email and I know how to network. Like we can learn anything I want to learn because I know how to like find the greatest resource in the world for it and disciplined spend time consuming it to get good at it. Uh, so the next question for me is, and kind of my last lesson is just so, so, so many benefits, so, so many benefits accrue from a deep clarity about where it is you want to go and what it is that you want to be good at. So that's kind of my next direction is the podcast has exposed me to this confidence in myself to do it, this vast array of possibilities and this kind of repeatable formula for getting from point A to point B in any activity. And so now it's kind of like, what do I do with that? And that's kind of my next priority looking forward after having looked backwards. And I think it's okay to give yourself, just be all right with the fact that you might not enjoy the activity, right? Like you found, you you identified that the people you've interviewed have gotten good by doing. And, and it's also difficult because there's so many things that you can possibly do for someone listening. It's like, try a bunch of different shit and, and see if any of it sticks. Like, it's okay. You can, if you have enough confidence in yourself, if you're not worried about getting made fun of, if you're not worried about what other people think, that gives you the leverage to then try whatever you want and be like, it's okay. I love myself at the end of the day. I can put out a hundred podcasts. They could suck and that's fine because once you love yourself, once you feel content and whole with who you are, then it doesn't matter and you can do as many different things like you're saying. Yeah, I think that's kind of a mini lesson is sometimes being naive is almost a benefit. So we interviewed Dee Murthy who like at 37, decided he wanted to try to become famous to lower his customer acquisition costs for his clothing brands. And he said the hardest part of it was the embarrassment that came from publishing videos on YouTube and having like his friends see that he has videos on YouTube with like five, six, seven, eight, nine views. And like, yep. as he was saying that, you know, I was like in the, in my mind looking at the most recent view of my YouTube channel from my brain. And I'm like, bunch of videos, five, six, seven, eight, nine views. And I'm like, I didn't even have the expectation for them to do any better. Like my being naive in that content creation like game, didn't even realize that was something I could hypothetically be embarrassed about. Uh, so it's kind of, <laughs> it's just being comfortable being the bad beginner and just knowing that through time and iteration, like things will get better. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So has everyone done three? Believe so. Does anyone have anything on their list uh, that they would, uh, <clears throat> cannot die being unsaid or, or at least would be, would prefer to get said. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. Um, I definitely said most of the things like as I was talking or replying to y'all's commentary, I think one important thing that I've learned this year, uh, probably like very important for me is I've been obsessed with money for a lot of my life and like what money could buy. And like, I don't know, I like to think about cars and stuff like that, but it's just a lot has changed for me this year in terms of like, like why does that matter like what sort of like happiness like will come from buying that ferrari and i think it's actually it came from a, a um, steve jobs movie that i was watching it wasn't even a very good movie but for some reason the quote that uh he steve jobs said like stuck out to me and it was like 
it's not about how much you can make or how much you make from any given task. It's about what you make. And it's like, that stood out to me as just a powerful lesson about the way that I had approached the world before that. And like, I think after that, I've sort of looked at things differently. Like the real estate, for example, is very much like, I'm less interested in the amount of cash flows that any given building could bring to me than I am now interested in like the future of environment design and how like manufacturing processes for real estate are very old and broken. And like there was Tesla for cars and there's going to be a Tesla manufacturing system for housing. And that's only a matter of time and it'll break a lot of inefficient markets and it'll be good for people. And I think that that is something like that infatuation for me with this like new idea only came from sort of like, it's not about how much money you can make or it's about what you make. That's a huge realization. What do you think caused you to have that realization? Um, you know, I think I've been around a lot of money and I've had very little money. Uh, so I think that that is where like the desire for wealth came from. And then I think that the realization came from, um, like pretty much, well, this is interesting, I think. So like one big, I said this to my sister earlier, it's like one big change for me has come from having conversations with older people that are very successful. And then their most, the thing that, that brightens them up, gives them the most energy to talk about is their children. Like without, mm-hmm. without fail, if you talk to someone and bring up their kids, they're going to light up. Like I had a conversation with a, a very wealthy, he, I mean, his business is huge. Like if you live in the state of Alabama, you know what it is. And when I asked him about his kids, he lit up like he hadn't lit up in the entire hours before we've been talking. And it's like, what's most important in life? What will at some point for me be the most important thing? Well, probably it's going to be similar to the way that everybody else is. And all these other old people. Tradition. Yeah. Tradition. Like it's going to be my kids at some point. And I think, you know, it just goes to show me that, that, happiness does not come what you're most proud of does not come from these moments of accomplishment or this accumulation of accomplishment of accomplishments but rather like people and like love and i got i got two ideas there because i I really like that i think this is one thing we've i don't know if we formally expressed here but we've at least discussed it many 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 times is the attribution error and how huge that is as like a general flaw in like understanding the world. Uh, if someone doesn't respond to our invitation to come on the show, we assume they hate us and our show sucks, right? Like you're, you say you're, you're young and you don't have money and you see people with money and you're, and you see them being happy and you're like, they're happy because they have money. When like you're actually spending time with them and like realizing, okay, they're happy because uh, they have free time and they spend their free time with their family or you know what I mean? And by actually putting yourself in the circumstance to observe critically, you can 
remove those limiting and unproductive beliefs that like they're happy because they have money. These people said no because they hate us. And uh, that comes a lot back to like mindfulness and peace and presence. You have to give your spells, give yourself space and deliberate time to think to come to those realizations. And I think podcasting is a format that lends itself to put yourself in those situations with some frequency, which is good. And that's really uh, valuable. So I think that's kind of like somehow something you've done over the past couple of months, the conversations you've had and the reflection you've done has given you the space in your head to be like, wait a second, the reason this person is happy isn't money. And that was the kind of the major domino that needed to fall first for you to then uninstall all of the cascading beliefs that came from it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had a second thing. It wasn't as good. <laughs> I kind of felt yeah. like it was connected to something too many tra- too many threads of thought back to, to bring back. Y'all kind of seem like you're waiting for it. But yeah, you're kind of saying uh, at the end there about moments of accomplishment and how like those are never the happiest thing. And I'd say that was something I learned in our most recent episode. I- I've said most recent and referred to different episodes using the word <laughs> most recent, uh, potentially referring to seven different episodes. But in our most recent episode, uh, no, we talked to Tal Gur, and he achieved 100 life major life goals in 10 years. And he had said this thing. This is okay. I'm going to do some major unpacking here. But I kind of read his book where I'm like, wow, he like set out this list of 100 life goals, set aside a decade of his life to do it. And like, this is where, and he did them all. And like, that's amazing. He's totally transformed. And I immediately, if you, anyone who's listened to more than one episode or probably just listened to enough of this episode can understand like what I would do with that information. I'm like, all right, I got to sit down, write out a hundred goals and spend 10 years knocking them out. Right. That's like the only thing a rational person would do after hearing that story. And I kind of, in the process of talking to him one-on-one on on Zoom with Kyle, not one-on-one, two-on-one, was like, wait, I've like, in a lot of ways, already been on that decade-long journey. Like, just because I didn't have as deliberate of a starting point, like, I'm one day away from, I could have just as easily started it two years ago and been like, 2018 was my year of books. I read 52 books in 2018. Like, that would have been good enough to put in the book as, like, one of my decades of focus. Like, uh, this year, I haven't had any alcohol or nicotine or any of that stuff for, like, an entire year. Like that could have been good enough to like justify the year of sobriety. I just like haven't done the clever branding. Like I've basically been experiencing that. And his lesson was, you know, there are more personalities and there are more aspects to the soul that need to be nurtured and matured and evolved than just the achiever. And I'm like, I kind of read his book and he achieved a bunch of things I haven't achieved, uh, but probably not really a greater number or a greater difficulty of things. Like, he had, I don't think the hardest thing he did on there was, like, harder than anything I've ever done. And that's not to belittle what he's done. It's just to give myself more credit for what I've done. Uh, so it's like I ran a marathon this year on, like, five, six weeks notice. I'm like, that's pretty much as hard as anything else physical challenge is. Like, there's only, like, one or two ceilings above that. And is it even – am I even getting any better by choosing to advance those one or two ceilings? Like, I think I've done enough things, enough challenges, 75 hard, a year of sobriety, a year of reading 52 books in a year, starting this podcast, like getting a good GPA for a lot of semesters. Like I think at a certain point, you just have to say, you know, I, I know how to achieve things. I know how to set goals, reverse engineer them and get to the other side. And my next greatest uh, paradigm shifts and next greatest evolution and personal development is not going to come from setting yet another round of ambitious goals and dedicating yet another 365 days to to knocking them down systematically. Uh, That is necessary, and that's a good skill set to have for making money and being successful in the professional world, but it doesn't need to become the dominating focus. It's like, that's something I can do. That's a tool I have for 
efficiently organizing and reaching the other side in an area of life, but it is not all of life. Uh, and so that's been a lesson from the podcast and that podcast specifically is maybe I should shift my focus towards evolving in other areas, uh, like dancing or, or relationships or something. Yeah. And I think it's so easy for people like us to just set out a goal and achieve it. But the truth is that I haven't got more fulfillment from anything that I've done than I have from loving myself. And that's crazy because I would never, five years ago, I never would have put that on the list of things to achieve, loving myself, right? But at the end of the day, that is why we do all the things we do. That's why we try to set out money. That's why we try to create things for ourselves. That's why we're trying to do all these things in a lot of cases. It's because we just want to love ourselves. But if you start from that place and you do genuinely love yourself, then it's like the world is there. The world, anything you do is icing on the cake is extra, like we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. Danny, I think that that's like your biggest message, your like mission is to like help people love themselves. So can you, you know, it's the last day of 2020. Like this is, we're, we're moving into a new era here. Could you just briefly outline what that means to you at present in 2020 for the future to look back and, and see what loving yourself, Danny, 2020 means? What does loving yourself mean? Loving yourself means giving yourself, it's two things. It's one, love, like actually feeling yourself and giving yourself a hug. And two, doing what the highest version of yourself would do. Not because you want to get to a certain place, but because you want to, you know that the highest version of yourself isn't sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. That's not loving yourself. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean by loving yourself is just having the discipline to do what you want to do because you're coming from a place of love, because you want yourself to experience something. You want yourself to go through that challenge because on the other side, you'll be better from it. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I think about loving yourself at the end of 2020 right now. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think we all want to love life, right? Like that's the goal is we're pursuing these goals because for whatever reason, we have connected them to being beneficial in loving life and like being fulfilled and happy and energetic and all of these positive things. And I think uh, that has to flow from the inside out. And yes. loving yourself is an essential piece of doing that. It's going, this is, I've said this a couple of times now, it's going with the tide or going against the tide. No one's stronger than the ocean. <laughs> it's a really interesting metaphor there. Not really, but no one's stronger than the ocean. And it's like, if your goal, you could position your goal by the shore if you love yourself, because then you're just swimming with the tide or you could position your goal three and a half miles at sea and not love yourself and have to swim the other way. So it's just, if you switch like the direction of your goal relative to the tide, you determine how much effort it will take to achieve it. And if you like loving yourself is an automated automatic step to reverse the direction towards going with like the, the tide. ultimate leverage. That's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis, I think you should write about that. That was, you should write that down. Thank goodness we, we were recording this so we can come back and, and hear it again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that, you know, every David Perel and like Jordan Harbinger and every person who's like a practice interviewer says is the things people say to fill silence end up being the most interesting things. I think mm -hmm. somehow we all had some uh, subconscious awareness of that, which is why we kind of just like 
all ended, but we're just like, let's just let it hang and just see what else pops up at the end, just to see what else pops up. But I can hit the close if y'all can. <laughs> We've all been drinking <laughs> so much water. Well, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm ready to close it. I think this has been great. It's been good to get to know you better, Danny. Like for the last, I don't know, month or so, just to timestamp it. We've been like back and forth texting. I think we had one conversation face-to-face. So this is this has been good to to talk about the things that, you know, we know we're not, we, we all know that we're interested in these topics, I think from our Twitters and this podcast and stuff, but it's just fun to, to really dive into it. So we're grateful for you for, for coming on and, and chatting with us today. I'm so grateful for you guys. I think this has been an enlightening conversation for me, one that will be going on and I'll be thinking about for the next few days for sure. And yeah, I, I think that this is just the beginning for all of us, for our friendship, for everything. And I'm, I'm excited to see where everything goes. Yeah, well, for anyone who needs some nutrition for their brain or uh, or wants to pursue their highest version uh, and wants to hear more from Danny and not just from us, uh, where should we be sending them? The best place to let me know what you thought of these two guys right here is Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Give me the shout out there and then if you want some more of my voice in your ears, the Danny Miranda podcast on any podcast player and yeah, go to my website, check around, see what's good. I'll be here. I'll be doing what I do. And, and I hope you come along on the journey. If you made it this far. Well, this has been a really fun time. Thanks so much. And that wraps up our conversation with Danny Miranda. I really hope that you enjoyed it as much as Lewis and I did. Absolutely. That was such a fun time. I don't think we need to do the usual repeating of everything we talked about because I think I personally did enough repeating of my own thoughts. Uh, So everyone has probably heard enough from me, but I thought that was an extremely fun conversation. If this is your first time listening to the Lewis and Kyle show and you've made it this far, thank you so much for being here. There are two main ways you can support us if you liked the content that you just heard. Number one, as Kyle said at the very beginning of this conversation, this was more of a conversation than an interview. But if you're curious to listen to one of our interviews, just scroll down wherever you're listening to this conversation and check out one of our recent episodes. We published one with David Oakley from Burcadia talking about multifamily real estate. We published one with Guy Swan talking about the future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And the week before that, we published one with Taylor Pearson about the implications of being a blogger for over a decade. Those are all super fun educational conversations where I do a lot less repeating myself. Anyway, I hope you check those out after listening to this. Second way to support us is leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes to show your support for the show. That is all we have for you this week, and we'll catch you in another one with another episode. Thanks so much.